Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Dax Emerson, who is an old friend from high school, and he is now a graduate student with the Master's in Management program at Temple University, the Japan campus. He's also looking to launch his career in management consulting. Dax, how are you doing? Doing great, sir. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. And we'd like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Absolutely. So thanks again. And and like you said, I'm a student with the Master's in Management program at Temple University Japan campus. So right now I'm not working full time, but hopefully I'm about to be working full time uh, once I can graduate and get some more uh, time, time on my hands in that regard. Um, that, that, that would be fantastic. Um, the main focus I'm having right now is just working on a transition between going to school and going to um, go, go hopefully one day entering the, the workforce full time because my entire life I've been in academia really. And that's maybe a melodramatic way to say it because basically I've just been a student, right? And any job and employment history I've had, it's been part time. But uh, this time, since I'm looking for looking to do something, uh, pardon me, uh, full time, and I'm not going to be at school necessarily, um, starting uh, at the half, um, the latter half of this year, it's it's going to be a transition, and I'm going to have to figure out ways to adjust to life where I don't necessarily have the obligations that come with being in school, and I don't have the obligations associated with. Um, that type of environment, but rather I have to change and adjust that um, to a more, uh, a work-life balance, I guess, is a popular buzzword for the day. Um, But as far as what I like to do for fun, um, I love to run. Um, Since I was a very young kid, I've always been doing sort of these, these long distance runs, cross country track. It's always very fun because you're just able to sort of go out and and not really, well, first you're getting the exercise associated with the activity, but then you're also able to focus, like just let your mind wander and you don't have to focus on any particular thing. Um, You can if you want to naturally, but you're you're certainly not obligated to, which I think is one of the great things about running because you can see all the different types of environments in the city, um, suburban area, rural area, that type of stuff. Um, other things I like to do for fun, I really love geography and I looking, uh, um, <laughs> looking, uh, sorry, sometimes the words here scrambles in my brain when I, when my brain is thinking faster than what I can Good. say, but, um, I love looking at maps and I, I've gotten interested in doing these geography games recently. Um, Wordle, I think of the New York Times has become very popular, but I, I like wor- Worldle, Worldle. <laughs> a, a little hard to pronounce, but they basically give you a, um, a picture of a country 
and you have to you have to guess what it is and that keeps my brain sort of um into intellectually stimulated in a way that i think not just looking at a, a map or an atlas and kind of glazing it over would because oftentimes when i do that for too long and i have a goal in mind okay i want to you know learn more about turkmenistan and i i'm pardon me i get off the map of Turkmenistan or I'm on Google Earth or whatever, um, eventually my eyes so just sort of glaze over and I get lost in, in looking at the topography or the physical geography without any real um, purpose to that. So again, um, that, that's, that's sort of just a way to keep me intellectually stimulated. And um, one, co one caveat I will say to that though, now that I think about it, is that, uh, you don't necessarily always have to like have these specific goals in mind, I guess, when you're doing these type of low key activities, because they are low key and they're designed to just give you an opportunity to have some fun and invest in yourself. But um, e even then, sometimes I still try to, even if I'm not consciously thinking about it, uh, set at least a couple of goals such that it, it, it's a preventative measure, basically, so that my eyes don't glaze over. I'm not just wandering off mentally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there we go. Let's jump into your motivation. Tell us about what gets you up and keeps you going every day. Yeah, so um, it's it's funny you mention that because I've noticed throughout my life where um, everything, anytime I uh, like, am, am doing something and maybe I'm getting tired of it or I'm not necessarily enjoying it as much as I liked at the beginning of when I started doing the, that activity. I always think, okay, when I, when I graduate school or when I move to Japan or when I do X, Y, and Z, things will become um, better or like magically a lot of your problems will be solved. Now, typically this happens to a certain extent but oftentimes they're also replaced with a lot of, um, or not a lot, excuse me, a different set of problems. Or really in reality, you're, not, you're never gonna solve all your problems, especially at once. So you just have to keep trucking along, moving and adjusting to your environment because life does not fundamentally change. So in that vein, what motivates me to, um, sort of to use the old cliche get out of bed in the morning and and um keep going is just trying to get the best out of life in the short period that we have on earth and to be able to be the best person i can be whether it's from a professional or a personal development standpoint um something something that i still need to learn uh more to come to terms with and I've gotten better at this, I think, as I've gotten older, but um, something that, that really it, it strikes me is just like making the most of your opportunity and, and not worrying so much about like what happened in the past or trying not to be regretful. And, and, and this element of wanting to change is also a motivating factor in my mind because it's like, okay, am I able Am I able to focus on what I can do in the present to be a better person, or am I just going to be stuck in the past? Because you can learn from the past, and you know that that's perfectly fine. Sometimes it might even be good to reflect and get a little bit of that 
nostalgia that you feel. Um, but it, it's not good, I think, to dwell in that. And I, I know maybe some some people disagree, and, and I, I understand the argument that it's good to be motivated from from the past. But I'm just for me personally, I would be afraid to get too deep, or, or rather, dive too deep into that in, into that line of thinking. So, um, it, 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 long story short, when it comes to motivations thinking about the future, thinking about how I can use each day as a stepping stone. Those are really my motivating factors. And in a sense, I'm looking at the bigger picture, but more and more, I'm trying to look at it like small chunks each day rather than look at it like, oh, you know, I'm motivated by trying to get, you know, this, this great job or graduate school, you know, magna cum laude or summa cum laude whatever it might be and um yeah and, and actually we might be talking about a, uh, more about the job aspect of things later on in the podcast yeah like right now actually let's talk about your dreams and goals tell us about your vision for your life and your career absolutely so <laughs> wonderful transition there evidently um <laughs> i uh, so I, uh, throughout my life, I, 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 my careers change or what I, what I envision, uh, I want to do as a, as a career changes. And, uh, right now though, I'm, I'm, I'm more certain about it than I ever have been before. And of course it can change. So certain it, it's a relative term. I don't mean for that to be set in stone necessarily, but, um, Going into um, specifically either market research or management consulting has been a great, I think will be a great opportunity for me. And it's something, uh, pardon me, where I can learn um, or, 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 or not learn. I can apply many of the concepts learned in um, my graduate school classes to the uh, real life setting and specifically for management consulting um I, I didn't know what that was prior to entering business school really like i my program is designed for people with limited work experience and i know there are some mba candidates and and things that are like they, they're much more verse and 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 privy to this information than i was but like um when when we talk about management consulting it's typically um people who help serve clients, uh, whether they are individuals, but typically business organizations, achieve a certain set of goals to add value to the products and services that we use every day as a company. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily always have to relate to the products and services directly, but it could be some aspect of, of management, um, supply chain issues, something that that the company wants to do better, basically. So they basically are contracting an outside thirty, outside third party to help provide this information and to do like a little outside analysis on the subject. And the reason, the reason why I want to get into management consulting and hopefully work for a day where I can be sort of on the ground helping business clients and being able to get a lot of experience. Um, and become more knowledgeable in, in these certain types of business fields is because you're, you're hopefully able to see the end product of, of 
how your work comes to fruition in the real world, right? You're able to sort of see what was happening in the business before, what's going on after, and you, you can juxtapose that and say, hey, you know, these changes were made by the business as a result of the, the consulting job and of the work that myself and my team members did for this particular project. And that I think is very rewarding to see because fundamentally speaking from an economic level, and, and, and sorry, I should have mentioned, I should have mentioned this before. Um, I, I was an anthropology major at my undergraduate school, the University of Rochester. And so I've gotten the question before, why did I go into business school when I did a social sciences major, anthropology? Reason being, I think the two are actually very related or a lot more related than people give credit to because with anthropology, you're studying humans, uh, you're studying human behavior, the history of human development and, and cultures that we've created for ourselves today. Um, and economics and business is just a network of people interacting together, um, trying to create different products and services that people need. And if we don't have those interpersonal connections working, and if we don't have a system of voluntary exchange, wherein people can trade and um, barter for what they need, and of course, now we have currencies and, and different things that help sort of standardize that. Um, but many of the things we take for granted in our modern day society, like supermarkets and um, advancements in, in sort of the technology and infrastructure and in how those products get to the stores and how we use them, um, none of that would be possible. None of, that, none of that would be possible. And within this, there are so many uh, little, little nuances in terms of cultural barriers, language barriers, um, different ideas and, and, and backgrounds, and not, not just terms of uh, backgrounds in terms of where people are from or who they are, but in terms of ideology as well, and um, generational differences, um, outlooks on you know where the world is going and 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 what we should be as as a species. So um, with that sort of in in my view, that's where the anthropological and the economic piece kind of ties in, and I think. Uh, uh, on a again on a more fundamental level but this is a more tangential point that i think a lot of anthropological analysis can be used to address many of the economic or business related problems that we see today and vice versa and and that last point is a little bit more of a controversial point but my my argument for that is that humans respond to incentives and so Economic, I mean, economists use the term all the time, where you're, pe people have a certain, um, or, or rather there's an assumption, there's a certain set of factors maybe that you're working with, and so you anticipate people are going to react to those factors in a certain way. Um, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, we might expect this to happen in the social science research. So using that economic uh, analysis and that that economic theory, we can then apply it to a particular um, set of people within a cultural context, and it might provide us insight on how we expect uh, people to behave 
or it might give us better insight on understanding their their mindset and how their their cultures and society has developed to the point where it is today. Um, and the important thing is that we might not always agree with it, or we might not always understand, you know, why, hey, why don't we do things this way like they do in, you know, the U.S. or in other countries. But we have to understand, because if we don't understand, that is a, that, that could be a road to very, I think, they, not to be melodramatic, but dangerous unintended consequences, because then you're just, um, you know, you know, you're not really, um, you, you, you're not, you're not seeing the decisions that people make for, for what they are, like coming out of a genuine, um, good faith-based context, you're just seeing it as kind of an alienated sort of, like, mi misunderstanding of, of, of things that are going on. So, I'm sorry, we, we got, we got off topic there. A little tangential, but that's okay. I, we were talking about kind of just management consulting and how business and your anthropology degree are more connected than you think. And you kind of just to sum that up, we're saying that anthropology is like the study of human and human evolution, evolution throughout history. Is that correct? That's correct. That, that's a good way to put it. And so like business, um, like with supermarkets and stuff, as like business evolves, it also kind of evolved. It like business evolved with humans and like kind of something I got from it, which I don't know if you said this specifically or just kind of alluded to it, but the fact that um, business runs because of humans. So as humans evolve, naturally business will evolve too. So I, I naturally absolutely, have a absolutely. connection there. Um, and I've often, I've thought about it and how great capitalism is, you know, you got, decisions you know their opinions on that but basically the choice when you have a choice like choice is very powerful our own personal autonomy like our ability to choose but then our ability to be in a society where we can choose our business choose our religion choose this choose that choose this and um something that i've noticed is that entrepreneurs uh when they're focused on innovation it's typically to serve humanity which is why i think those kind of play hand in hand like Jeff Bezos innovating Amazon, how he did, has changed how humanity functions, you know, and that's like a business evolving as well as humans evolving with that business. So I clearly see the correlation there is what I'm saying. That's very well articulated, Tim. I'm glad I'm glad you got that out of that because that's that's kind of what I was trying to explain. And I know one thing is that when I say evolution, I, I certainly don't mean um or I, I obviously don't mean like literal, like natural selection type of evolution, but just the not way things have changed in the world. Right. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Um, and go, go for it. Go for it. My bad. Oh, no. I, I, just one last thing was that, um, and I know I, I have many friends who disagree with me on this, but like the point of, of um, you know, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, these type of entrepreneurs working, um, they might say like, oh, you know, they're motivated by greed or they're motivated by, um, you know, intrinsic factors not really related to the benefit of humanity. I, I personally don't know about that. Like, I, I'm, I'm more in, in line of agreement with kind of what you were saying in that ultimately they're trying to create products and services that people um, want want and need. And, and there might be unintended consequences about, about that, but that's like another sort of realm of conversation.
Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. The more I've gotten into entrepreneurship and I've thought about success and I've learned about success, I've learned that there's kind of a way that the world works and the people who receive a lot of money are only receiving a lot of money because they're adding a lot of value to somebody's life. And there's this book called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg, and he talks about one of the laws of compensation. And it talks about the amount of money you receive is proportionate to the amount of value you add and how many people you add that amount of value to. So if you think about a doctor, a doctor adds a, an immense amount of value, but to one person at a time, right? Like they'll save somebody's life with a surgery, but they only save that one life, if that makes sense. And they get, pay, they, they get paid well. But it's like three hundred to six hundred thousand dollars a year, whereas Jeff Bezos, he adds maybe way less value, but to billions of people, and so right is like it's disproportionate. And so it's like if you look at your life and you're like upset about your income, this is a little self development tip. Look at the value you're adding to people's lives and how many people are you actually affecting in your day to day. And when you line that up, some of the greatest entrepreneurs, some of the wealthiest people, are simply they own systems or they own products that add a lot of value to a lot of people. And so there we go. There we go. You got to be focused on adding value if you're going to be successful, which is why I know these entrepreneurs are like, they're not horrible people because they have to focus on adding value or they, they don't get successful. But right on. There we go. Well, awesome. Dax, are there any other dreams or goals you want to talk about? I know you talked about going into market research or management consulting, but is there something else that you want to chat about, whether it be career-wise or your life in general? Yeah, more life in general. Um, a goal I have is to one day uh, start start a family, and I know that's very that's very broad. But um, me, I'm 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 22 years old right now, and I'm I'm not in a I'm not saying this because I'm in a rush to start a family or anything of that nature. But I would like to see. Um, sort sort of a unit develop where hopefully one day I'm able to share experiences with my wife and kids and be able to um, sort of pass down and, and not just pass down a, a lot of the um, the, the the values and, and lessons that I would have learned up to now and then hopefully in, in the future to them, but just to be able to share these experiences and have, have these sort of great bonding moments with people whom you care about. Um, I, I think that is something that people, again, a, a lot of, of people take for, for granted because I, um, there have been many times where, you know, I haven't really liked my parents and I'm, I'm sure that goes for a lot of other people too, where they were upset or angry or frustrated. But I think they um, they 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 offer a lot to their 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 children, and it's uh, you know parents' responsibility to do so. You know to have to have that ability to 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 exercise um, the raising of, of their children. So um, be, being able to do that is another goal of mine. But that again, that's something that is. Uh, I, I don't know when that's going to be. It just has to naturally happen more so than me trying to to force it to happen, if that makes sense. And and this also might come along as my career hopefully launches and develops, and I'm able to get more of a work-life balance that I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if there were one or two people 
that you could meet right now. And this could be a specific person or a type of person. And they would really help you take the next step towards going into management consulting or starting that family. Who would they be and how would they help you? Sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you both. I'll give you um, first a, a general type of person and then a specific person. So for the general type of person, I would need somebody who is um, energetic, naturally um, like outgoing and is, is considered an extrovert in lieu of an introvert, whether uh, he's saying like he's an extrovert himself or people typically associate his or her behavior with being an extrovert. And I say that specifically because I'm definitely an introvert. Now, <laughs> I know it's popular for people to say like, oh, you know, I'm an introvert, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm, I say that I'm not trying to be popular by saying that, like, like, no, like I left my own devices, I would much prefer a, a sort of kickback environment or be able to have the opportunity to, to sort of pull back and enjoy my own time by myself if um, like I become overstimulated or, uh, you know, I've been interacting with a lot of people just to have that time to rest and, and reset, I think is very good. Um, that's the, the, the best short way I could explain it anyway. Um, so I would need somebody who has an opposite personality of me, uh, specifically, again, somebody who's like extroverted and, and a go-getter, like willing to meet a lot of people um, in terms of networking and soft skills. Um, one, one thing I, I didn't mention earlier um, is that uh, I'm, I, I haven't always been good with soft skills or like communicating with people. And um, th th there, there are different reasons for that too long, I think, for the, for the purposes of this podcast, but sparing a lot of the context, uh, growing up, it, it, there were different uh, developmental is issues that I had wherein uh, maybe communicating with people and uh, understanding a, the... the um, little nuances of nonverbal communication is an issue for me. And even today it can be an issue. So I think having somebody who is just naturally able to connect with people and kind of show me a lot of the ways like, hey Dex, you know, this would be a good type, you know, a good thing to do. Um, that I think would be very, very helpful for me. And um, spe so specifically, uh, when I think of a person who is able to do this, uh, but isn't um, is somebody who I haven't met and I, I don't know how I would meet him, but um, is actually Elon Musk to kind of go in the go in the uh, vein of these sort of entrepreneurs and, and, and innovators, because he, I think, has done a lot of of work and he, he has his hands in his businesses in, in, in sort of many different sectors, but he is from an economic perspective, an economic and business perspective, probably the most influential person of the century so far. Like seriously with Tesla and SpaceX and now he's getting into Twitter and stuff. And I know a lot of people don't like him and I know he's become a controversial figure for his own reasons. That to me is actually more of a reason to meet him because people, and, and this is one thing that I struggle with is that 
my one of my biggest character flaws is that I want people to like me, and um, we sometimes I, I yeah, well, sometimes I, I strive for people to to I, to be on good terms with people and to avoid conflict to my detriment, but people like Elon Musk, maybe, maybe they don't seem to care or they, they just do kind of what they have to do without worrying about getting 100% satisfaction all the time. And that's, that's what I need to do as well. Um, because there are, um, certain experiences where you just realize like, Hey, I'm never, I'm never going to be able to, you know, satisfy 100% of the people 100% of the time. And if you do, or if you do have that mindset, you're 100% ignorant, maybe just kind of like I've been for a long time and still can be when my thoughts go out the window. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope I hope that covers it. The type of people that I would like to meet and, and really need to meet um, in, in terms of personal and professional development. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, follow up question. Do you like you? Uh, well, uh, I, I could, I could be better. I'm, I'll say yes for now. Uh, but I, I, I could be better and sorry, the hesitation and, and reluctance there is like, because, I, because I need to be better. And I know there are certain things that I need to do in, in terms of my personality and my academic life where I can maybe I'm here but I want to get to this level and I need I need to work to get better right and it, that that to me is um th that's where I think I, I get a lot of my um self-critique or how I, how I judge myself because we as individuals typically judge ourselves by our um intention and not by our actions right because we can see somebody walking around the street see them um you know trip and fall and be like oh haha ha, you know that 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 was funny if if we're evil and we're going to laugh about it presuppose that but um they might judge themselves thinking oh you know i was trying to help out you know this this little puppy or thing that was out of you i'm, I'm realizing this is kind of falling apart as I'm trying to think of an example on the fly. But the point is, um, since we are within ourselves, I kind of have to balance judging myself by my intentions and being able to easily justify myself because of those intentions. But then think of what I've done in real life and how the actions might look to other people and realize that maybe my intentions, although they were good, don't always lead to the most optimal of outcomes, right? And there have been times where I've seen something happen, whether it's like in a group project or with a family issue or something like that, where like the, like some of the blame at least lands on me, and I'm like, you know, oh crap, I should have I should have been more cautious about that, and that leads me to be, I think, less likable from my own standpoint. So. Um, that I, I hope per, that provides insight on the reluctance that I had to the to the initial answer. So, is liking yourself or not liking yourself contingent upon results and intentions in certain situations? Well, it, 
Yeah, yeah, honestly, I, I think so. Um, and maybe this isn't, again, this isn't really the best mindset to have, I don't think, but I have to be honest because it, it's, it's, you know, something that's hard to avoid. Like it's easier said than done. You might yeah. be like, oh, you know, if I don't accomplish this goal, you know, I'm worthless as a, as a person. Um, obviously, this is this is a very um, to use the term problematic and not not very um, uh, lo logical way of thinking. But at the same time, if, if you can if you consider yourself a failure, or rather consider that action a failure, just from a human condition standpoint, we are more likely to to value ourselves less or think. Um, damn you know i'm sorry for the language there that uh we can uh use the now now you're gonna have to put the explicit I am. <laughs> the <Yeah>. explicit tag <laughs> oh man but uh <laughs> no the uh, <laughs> i'll put i'll put just one word though next to it <laughs> just one, there we go there we go there we go no but um what was I saying? Oh, oh yeah, about about the, the human condition and valuing yourself. So uh, the sorry, I got I got lost there. I got a little off. I think I said mostly of what I wanted to say, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel you. Um, it is a really hard thing to do to kind of separate your worth from the results you can produce or the intentions or the perceptions of others. But I'm going to challenge you and then we can move on to, I got two more questions I want to ask. Uh, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Think of a baby. Okay. When that baby comes into the world, what is that? Uh, what does that baby do? Well, it eats and breathes and um, <laughs> it, 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 gets milk and it's kind of um it, it's getting nutrients to to launch the baby's life right because there's the old idea like when when the baby pops out of the womb and is there and like you're seeing a human being his or her first moments of life on earth um may, maybe the doctor gives it a, a a little smack or something to make sure that it's like like you know, breathing, and, and then it starts to coo or, or, or cry a little bit. And it, it's pretty um, helpless to a certain extent, but it has to grow, you know, to be, to, to, to gain the skills, right? Because human babies, some animals are different, like chickens, once they hatch, they're ready to go. But human babies, we have a long way to go once we're actually born. Exactly. They're essentially worthless. All they do is take and they take and they take and they take. Shout out to Hamilton if you haven't seen it. That's a good, <laughs> but that's all they do, right? Like human babies, they're born into the world and um, they eat, they breathe, they cause issues by crying in the middle of the night, by pooping, by peeing, by making messes, by taking up space, taking up air, taking up oxygen. Like obviously oxygen is very plentiful, but um, they take, that's all they do. They take, they take, but their parents look at them. Society looks at them and they think that that child is worth everything like if warren buffett could choose between his fortune and his newborn child he would choose his newborn child over and over and over again 100 percent of the time 
Hopefully most right. other people would do the same. And so what you said earlier about, you know, a doctor sees a human being, you see human life and you see the first moments of life and that's kind of celebrated, that's kind of valued. My question to you is what changed between those first moments of life and these moments of life that made your life less valuable? Well, <laughs> I, I guess nothing really, because you're like in terms of um, in terms of your value, like kind of you mentioned, you use the Warren Buffett example as the 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 um, what was it the the, ana the analogy or the comparison? Like, hey, he would choose a newborn child over his career and vast wealth any day. Uh, hopefully, mo most parents would be able to do the same, and they still see value in in that 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 child. And there's, I think, people, whether it's friends or, or even just community members at large, where you can look and you can see the the intrinsic value that that human has and what they're doing. Um, and not just for their job in terms of what they do for society, like, you know, electrician, electrician or, or plumber, or engineer, or whatever, like, no, what they're able to do um, from a, a more intangible level back home with their, their families or their friends or their other interactions. The thing, so the thing that's changed, even though fundamentally, maybe not a lot has changed, even though we're growing older. The thing that that one of the many things that separates us from babies is that we um, have developed a a, a consciousness and so and a sense of self. Um, obviously, babies have a conscious, but they they don't have the capacity to to be self critical and and think and reflect upon their actions in, in terms of a of a causation um, like sort of chain of thinking standpoint. So since we've developed this, it allows us to be more critical about ourselves and to be able to judge and value our lives either relative to other people or relative to where we want to be. So that I think can lead to a lot of, it can lead to a lot of positive things if we can motivate ourselves to be better. And if we are like genuine, genuinely stuck in a place where we are exhibiting toxic behaviors and we need to better ourselves as individuals to, to make everybody in our lives better. But it can also lead to a lot of unintended consequences that we've already talked about, like um, being too critical or just being um, illogically critical of your of yourself or, or sort of putting the negatives way above the positives and then you focus on the negatives and then sort of a lot of other things in life crumble because you're not you're not you're, you're focusing too much on the negatives rather than doing what you do to make yourself you know the best person that you can be so um that that's sort of my my uh an analysis to your question yeah yeah no i feel that i will say that sense of self is key but like you said so eloquently in your answer, just as much as you can focus on, you know, you're conscious of the negative, you can be just as conscious of the positive. And I think something that you got to understand about the human brain, you know, moving forward as you continue to battle this, I mean, we're all battling it. Like I battle it too, the negative self-talk, the criticizing myself, like as you move forward in it, like keep in mind that our brain was wired to like pick up 
negativity because it was kind of to protect ourselves back in the day. Like we really had to right, right. pick that stuff up. But now, you know, with not protecting ourselves, we pick up other stuff like things to make us anxious, things to make us fear, thing, fearful, things to keep us on our toes. But both keeping in mind the fundamental value, because when you think about stuff, you know, you have the surface level stuff and then you have the fundamental stuff. Your fundamental value is still there from when you were a child. And you can ask yourself that, or you can remind yourself of that by asking yourself this question. Like if I were to give you $10 million right now for coming on this podcast, would you feel worth, like, would you feel uh, more excited? Like if coming on this podcast was a gig that would pay you $10 million and you like earn that $10 million, would you feel like you're more worth it? Yeah, of, of course. Exactly. We, I mean, we all would, right? But if I told you, you come on this podcast, I give you $10 million, but you can't wake up tomorrow. Would you still want to come on the podcast? No. No, because <laughs> the rest of my life is worth more than $10 million. Exactly. 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 But there's so much good you could do with $10 million, right? But there's so much more good you could do with the rest of your life. And so it's like, but then you got to realize that that negativity, that, you, that criticism, that like not forgiving yourself actually keeps you from realizing your potential. And so it's almost immoral to stick in negativity, like to criticize yourself and hinder yourself from impacting people the way you could if you were at your full potential is a, I feel an immoral act. So don't beat yourself up more about committing immoral acts, but choose positivity, choose to value your life, choose to really make that impact and wake up and realize the potential that you can make every day. So anyway, I just wanted to, I similarly struggle with that a lot and I'm sure a lot of people listening also struggle with that. So I just wanted to walk through that. Oh, yeah. But awesome, man. What is one action step that you can take right now to meet that energetic, naturally outgoing person who's considered an extrovert that can help you with the networking and the soft skills that might help you in your career, but also your personal life? Uh, specifically, I can uh, get out my kanji textbook or my Japanese Nihongo Charenji uh, book and, and just start studying that. Since, I, since I'm in Japan right now, there's obviously a language barrier and breaking down that language barrier helps me uh, meet and interact with a, a obviously millions of other Japanese people who may be, uh, and a lot, a lot of people here do, do speak English to a certain extent, but it's not maybe, it's not maybe as good as other countries. So you, you breaking that down helps widen the variety and the number of chances you have to meet that extrovert, to meet that outgoing person who can help me along. And it also hopefully, um, Whoever, whoever I meet, hopefully it could be a mutually beneficial relationship, right? You never want it to be a, a two-way street. So maybe um, even if you're not trying to, the other person would be able to offer something to them, whether it's connections of my own or, um, I, I don't know, I, I guess since we're in Japan and we're on the subject of languages, English language training, st stuff of that nature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There we go. And we have one last question for you. So you know how there are people on the planet who have a really fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help. They're not willing to accept change. Sometimes they'll live their whole life like that. And sometimes they'll die like that, unfortunately. 
Other times they'll make the switch at some point in their life to more of a growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that switch? Typically, it would have to be a, a very monumental event, I think, because unfortunately, like you said, there are some people who, um, w whether they are actively trying to do so or not, maybe just never really, uh, yeah, I'll just to kind of use your words, but changing them a little bit, never really change or think maybe, oh, this is the way I've always done it or you know i don't want to change or I'm, I'm a little scared to change but maybe there's something maybe there's like a a, a near-death experience or maybe you know something dangerous or, or or sad happens with a child or a loved one or you see something on the news that motivates you to to change these, I think, are factors that are wake-up calls or alarms um, for people. And I, I think we use that term for a reason, because they do offer um, an, an incentive and a change of perspective for how people um, operate in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, unfortunately, like if you're 45 years old, for example, I don't know if any self-help training or any sort of... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to help you. I don't know if like, for example, empathy can be taught. I, I, I don't think it can be taught. And I think it's very difficult to change the mind mindset of people who are older. So I think these monumental events, if, if they're going to change people, they're certainly more applicable to the, to the older, older people who have already a lot of experience built up and, uh, you know, since their lives have operated a certain way up to that point, it's difficult to change. But, but one, one last thing is that if we can have early intervention, so to speak, and we can um, sort of change and, and motivate the way people behave from a young age, even up to a young adult age, sort of where you and I are at right now, that maybe does not, does not require the monumental event to change a person's outlook and their their behaviors in life that that is the one caveat i would say to everything i just said yeah yeah no absolutely i love that um often when you get this question it's like that monumental event that rock bottom one thing i want to say is that monumental event typically just brings you to a point of desperation and usually when people get desperate and they realize things can't function how they are they get more open-minded to solutions so if yeah. you want to circumvent all that pain and you happen to be 50, do something that will cause you to be more open-minded. Get around some people who are more open-minded and you might see some stuff start to change. Don't wait for your mom to get cancer or you to get cancer to really start living your life. You can start doing it now. Will it be hard? Yes, it will. But nothing is impossible. You can do it. It will be harder than it is easy. That is for sure. But right, right. Right. Very well said. Very most well things said. worth it are. Most things worth it are. So awesome. Dax, is there anything else that you want to chat about before we sign off? Oh, did I need to give like a favorite book, movie, something like that? Yeah, man. Yeah, we can. I kind of skipped that question because we were running shorter on time. But yeah, you can jump into your favorite book, movie or podcast. 
Oh, I, do, I just want to say, I'll, I'll say my favorite movie is Forrest Gump. And I, I've talked with a lot of my... Anth- <laughs> no, I... Okay. I, I get that reaction a lot. Oh, because that is so... It's so on brand. Like, if I had to really? guess your favorite movie, I would guess Forrest Gump. Dude, seriously, that's awesome. Like, I, I, I am ecstatic to hear that. Like, I've had conversations with my friends and, and they don't like Forrest Gump for reasons. And some people say Forrest Gump is a, a, a movie which is a product of its time being, it was released in 1994. And in, obviously at that time, the Cold War just ended. The US was, was sort of the only major superpower in the world and everybody, it was like a feel good time, e- even though it was based on a, on a book written earlier. Um, but in any event, Forrest Gump is, uh, yeah, a long, I'm not going to get into it now, since, especially since we're running short on time. But Forrest Gump, I think uh, there's a lot of analysis and a lot of great things that can be learned from Forrest Gump and critiques, too. We can have a discussion on, on the critiques as well. But I think a lot of people just like give these bogus or like intellectually dishonest critiques about the movie where it's like, well, that's not. You, you know, you, you, yeah. you, you have to take the good with the bad and you have to analyze it within the context of the movie and, and the whole slew of other things. So, yeah, but yeah, Forrest Gump, man, I like that hey, movie. You're going to have to schedule another time. You can come on and we can talk exclusively about Forrest Gump. Seriously. I'm dead <laughs> that serious. would be perfect. Yeah, man, just schedule another time. Works for me. Yeah, an in-depth analysis of Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, awesome. Dax, thanks so much for coming on the show. Likewise, sir. Thank you very much for having me. And if I ever went on tangential points, I apologize about that. That was just an attempt to provide more context to what I was saying. And it was not me trying to just go on these soliloquies well, randomly. So sorry about that. No, man, you're all good. We loved having you on and we look forward to you scheduling again so we can dive into the Forrest Gump in-depth analysis. Yes. <laughs> awesome. If you guys loved what Dax had to say, make sure to hit him up. The ways to do it will be in the show notes. I think his email address will be in there probably. Um, We'll figure out a way to get you in contact with him. If you happen to know anybody who's energetic, naturally outgoing, and in the Japan area near Dax, make sure to connect them. If you happen to know Elon Musk, get me and Dax an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Also, If there's anybody who knows of any management consultants, consultant firms that are looking for incoming employees, make sure to make that connection with Dax. I know he's looking to jump into the work environment. As we always ask, send this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.